If you lose the power of curiosity, then it doesn't matter what you're going to do because all you're doing is wrapping ideas around the media. The curiosity means you could come up with something that's never you've never thought was going to be capable. But if you allow that curiosity to also be implemented in a way that says, hey, if this becomes contagious, then we're going to put the traditional media channels behind it. We're going to try and amplify it. But if you don't start with curiosity, you don't invent. You know, I have this have this feeling that if we just sit in a room and just listen to rock and roll all day, we never invent punk. And curiosity means that you can go outside the bounds. Welcome to episode 183 of Be The Drop, a weekly interview podcast sharing stories from inspirational people, helping you learn how to tell your story. I'm Amelia Veal, Director at Narrative Marketing and firm believer in the superpower of storytelling. Working in marketing, I'm often asked about the balance between creativity and strategy. Which is more important? How do businesses harness creativity in a strategic way? But they're not chalk and cheese. They're not opposites that somehow need to be brought together. Someone who knows this better than many is this week's guest, Shingy. David Shing, or Shingy as he's more commonly known, is a digital prophet. In basic terms, he contextualises behaviours and trends for brands within the digital landscape. He advises how to have great ideas that bring brands more value. So creativity and strategy are in his makeup. But with a background in design, media and marketing, The real superpower Shingy has at his disposal is his unquenchable curiosity. In this episode of Be The Drop, recorded live from PauseFest, Shingy provides tips on how to unearth great ideas. He reflects on the definition of craft and being a craftsman. Plus, we have an interesting debate about storytelling and the power of curiosity. This is Shingy's version of Be The Drop. Are you considering starting a podcast? At Narrative Marketing, we deliver a full range of podcast production options. Or if you'd like help getting started to produce your own content, we also deliver podcast training programs. Hit the link in the show notes for more details. David, thank you so much for joining me for the next Amelia, episode anytime. Be The Drop. And I'll just speak over you, apparently. I apologise oh, for that. You want to do your sound again? No. You want to do your intro again? <laughs> <laughs> Hi, I'm think, Amelia. Uh, that adds to the authenticity of it here <laughs> live at Pause Fest. Yeah. So you've just come off the stage, just nearabouts. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are you feeling? Uh, good. Good. Thank you. Yes. Are you expecting a different response than that? No, I'm just, I'm interested. So I'm intrigued. And here's why. Because, you know, this is my first time at Pause and I know that George has been doing this for 10 years. But what I've already been struck by in the moments that have been here, because I only landed a couple of hours ago, is it's a really interesting mixing pot of different disciplines. Yeah. So you've got marketers, you've got experiential people, you've got designers, you've got startup communities here. You have people from brand. I quite like the polymath. Mm. It, and, and it's also my first experience at Pause. Oh, I'm welcome. based from Adelaide. I only just flew in not that long ago either after running around dropping children at locations and jumping on a plane. <sighs> <Yeah. laughs> 
Coriel is one of my favourite vineyards, by the way. And oh, it's not far from your hills. It is. One of my very good friends got married there. It's, it's beautiful. beautiful. Yeah, yes. the wine that comes from there is... They have a particular line of wine back in... You know, before I left Australia 20 years ago, I used to collect Coriel Diva. It's yeah. a stunning bottle of wine that I recommend to you, giving it to your hometown. Good, good. Well, we are spoilt for choice in the Adelaide Hills, McLaren Vale, Barossa. Yeah. Good. Okay. So digital profit, I have to ask, you know, what exactly is that? So I spend my time just looking at the digital landscape and trying to contextualise behaviours, trends, ideas for agencies, brands, and anybody who'll listen to me, basically. And, you know, there's almost 8 billion people on planet Earth and 50% of them have never known life without the internet. And how do you contextualise that? And so that's really what I do. Mm. My background is in design, media, marketing. Yeah. So, yeah, I come from the school of long chops. And it, you've got a video series and you really look at the many forms of creativity uh, and, and, and the placement of that within business. Can you tell me a little bit about the different forms of creativity? Yeah. You know, what's interesting is that there's certain contagious things that people want to talk about all the time. I do a video series called Shinger Views where I pick some super talents and ask them, you know, what makes them interesting from musicians to, uh, you know, creatives on film to actors to architects to people in media and you know when you talk about what makes it creative it really starts with the interperson. and you know what do you do to capture that creativity and how do you actually express it in ways that feels like it's a reflection of what you're trying to do and it's not about sleep pods and you know free food and those sort of things it's about how you inspire somebody to be better than they could be at their craft uh, I'm a big fan of craft meaning that you know it's all about refinement. Mm. I think Nisha is the new mass, actually. I'm, I'm done with more is more. Mm. I think less is more. Mm. And, and I love that word, craft. And to me, that really brings to mind practice and lots of really hard work. For somebody who's a craft, you know, a craftsman or woman at, at their, whatever their trade may be, they, they've practised that, they've honed that. That's a real... A skill set, but I wonder if in you know we've created a world of immediacy and we want things quickly, right. fast. Right. Are we losing some of that craft? Yeah. Well, I think the craft, the definition of it has changed. So I grew up hand hand kerning fonts, and so very much a practitioner of fontography and typography, and that craft today could be applied to six second videotography. That's a new craft, and I totally respect that. I don't have to participate in it to respect it. But I also think craft is about restriction. Again, it comes back to I don't think it's more is more. I think it's more interesting when it's not. I just don't think we've, we've determined what those restrictions are. Mm. Because with restriction, you know, it's a problem to solve. You know, it's like back in the day of taking photographs in black and white, you're restricting, you know, you take colour out of it. One of the elements that you need to think about is contrast. So, you know, and light. I think craft has just been redefined. And I'm very excited by that redefinition of what that means. It's just, it's, a little, it's just very different than perhaps what I grew up with. Mm. Well, you know, I, when I started university, I didn't have a mobile phone. And I can't imagine, you know, my son's 10 when he gets to university, I can't imagine him thinking, you know, what? You didn't have a mobile phone. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe it'd be something different. Well, look, at, think about it, right? So everybody thought when Amazon came out with drone delivery that it was going to be a thing. And every competitor to Amazon was trying to figure out how the drone delivery was going to be. And I think there was a placebo because ultimately what they did is they opened up more bookshops, you know, or they opened up a frictionless retail experience for shopping. You know, I think things cycle. 
there are more vinyl records available in terms of, you know, it still costs $30, then music, well, music download, the, sorry, let me rephrase this. LPs are amazing. Cassettes, less so. <laughs> CDs, definitely not. DVDs, no way. So certain things within the culture of recycling become hot and they become interesting, but they're not necessarily for the mass. But when you do think about mass, like the back catalogue of iTunes outsold the new release catalogue of iTunes. So it means, although we think, I think that the ultimate um, version of a song today is about six seconds that you can listen to before you're going to commit two minutes to listen to an entire song. But the truth is, people are getting intrigued by that as an artist and might go really deep in their catalogue. Sony Records closed down their last pressing plant of LPs in 1983 in Japan and they just reopened it a couple of years ago for the demand on vinyl. So I don't necessarily think it's going to be just about the mobile phone. It might be about a different type of dynamic of connection. Mm. And mm. so what are some of these new emerging um, social technology, digital, like mobile uh, technologies that are coming through that really excite you? Well, most people, when they think about mobile technologies, they think about phone. It's not really the thing. I, I think about mobile technologies as things that are um, actually mobilised. The thing on your wrist could be mobile technology today. Now, up until a couple of years ago, it's been tethered to your phone, but now they're untethered. But I'm intrigued by technologies that help humanity forward. So instead of just another fitness tracker that does the same thing my phone does, I'm intrigued by something that helps people who are sight-impaired navigate streets. And that's an organic and an analogue-feeling experience, but it's powered by technology. I like technology when it's not shiny and it softens the shoulders of it and it feels a bit more sort of humanised. So humanised technology I'm intrigued by, and the category that's doing that best is the Internet of Everything. Internet of Things, people call it. It's a big category made up of hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of products. So it's not just one thing, it's multiples. And they become splinters in those categories. And so it's not just one thing that I'm intrigued by. And I'm still intrigued by the technology of pen and paper. Mm. That's super mobile to me. Wow. So I'm just different. I than, love pen and paper. <laughs> yeah, I can, I can see that. You, you, you should probably have pen and... I, I prefer paper and pencil, actually. I don't like to commit to ink. But I do think that there is, you know, there are mobile technologies. We don't, you don't suddenly have to think mobile technology is the distracting technology of swiping and pulling and pinching. It could be totally different. Mm. Anything that's thoughtful that allows us to be more conscious, that's what I really care about, to be fair, Amelia. Mm. Mm. And I think there is a movement for this increased consciousness and increased connections because people are realising that maybe we got distracted by the shiny and that had negative side effects by, by actually not bringing us more connected. There well, is... I think there's a euphoria that happens around that technology, right? And, you know, if you have kids, if you look at kids that are young adults today, they might be part of that shiny technology experiences today and it's all about the social currency. But if they have kids that are younger in their own family, they may look at them and say, that is ridiculous and I'm going to go sit in a corner and read books. So we have different types of technologies that cycle for different types of generations. And by the way, when people talk about generations, they're like, hey, man, it was all about millennials, which is a term I can't stand. Then suddenly it's all about Gen Z. The truth is it's just kids start to grow up and they cycle out of some of those behaviours and they start acting like the parents that they thought were idiots back in the day anyway. So that's just the culture of humans. Mm. And we're always trying to find out what these new adults are up to or these, these new emerging people to influence their capabilities to absorb our brand faster than anyone else and have this new consciousness around it. Well, those behaviours are changing in a way that feels like we have to do it differently. Mm. But I think we can learn from the past to sort of adopt new technologies in the future anyway. Mm. In a way, it feels like cycles of the same but different. Yeah, they recycled. Mm. So then, you know, you work in this creative space but you're working with businesses that 
obviously need to have strategic strategy around how they right. do that. Do you find there's a discord between creativity and strategy, you know, particularly in a business context? Maybe. It depends. I mean, it's all variable, right? Some people sort of figure it out and they need to hunt down the problem. Creativity and strategies have the same thing that they're trying to solve, and that's a problem. If you don't start with solving a problem... Look, I can't tell you how many times I've walked into a room and they're like, hey, man, we need to think outside the block box. <laughs> think outside the box? What are you talking about? You don't want to think outside the box because that's the variable that you're not going to achieve. You know, there are organisations that need to think inside the goddamn box. And the other flip side of that is if you also think about that, it's very quickly followed up with, let's start with a blank page. Well, that's not a problem that you're trying to solve. We've got we to solve the problem. So strategy and creativity aren't disconnected. They should work in harmony. And that harmony should start with what's the problem you're trying to solve? What's the need? So if you don't exist tomorrow, what would people feel that they're, they're going to miss about you? I don't know. Mm. I don't think there are things that we can't resolve. One thing I do know is that... You know, you talked about craft earlier. I think design and designer log is very, very important because design is a distinction of the visual culture of your brand. Could also be sound, and so design is more incredibly important than ever before. Mm. And and why is that? Why do you think that that visual statement or representation is so important? Because it's a way that your brain helps to understand the visual cortex to do memory recall. It's impressionable. And very quickly followed up by sound. That's why smart speakers are a thing. Those two things combined is something that historically could stay with you for years. You could listen to music you grew, grew up with and you can burst into tears because it sort of releases endorphins in ways that feels like it's really visceral for you. Mm. That's incredibly powerful. So how do you take the power of the human, you know, the way we're made up, and put it in a, frame it in a way that feels like I can take advantage of that in a way that feels good? You know, one of the, you're wearing a T-shirt that says, I love storytelling. I think the T-shirt's rubbish. And the reason why I would say that is it's not the storytelling I care about. I love story. The telling is the, the media. We should stop telling. I call it story yelling, actually. I think we should just get back to telling really interesting stories mm. in different ways. Yeah. It's less about the telling. Yeah, it's true. Well, and it's interesting. Be- I don't mean to rag on your T-shirt, by the way. But no, I, I like the T-shirt. But I like, I also like, <laughs> that's okay. So I, do I. I like I love, the T-shirt. I love, I'm just giving you a variable. I love difference of opinions anyway. But I also, I think in the evolution of this as well, I, I agree. I love the story. Mm. And because it isn't my telling that I love, it's the, the telling of other people's and investigating other people's stories. So for me, that is the concept of the storytelling. It's everyone's stories. But I suppose when you see it like this, it's I love storytelling. It does mean maybe I'm walking around going, oh, I just like talking to people. <laughs> but I actually... Which evidently it. you do because you're very good at it. So <laughs> oh, thank you. But what I'd like to be better at is actually uncovering other people's stories because to me, I already know my story. It, the way that I feel that people can evolve and we can all evolve is by uncovering other people's context or interpretation of story. Amen. I'm down with that. Mm. Mm. So for you then... In this journey, what are some of the things that stand out? You know, experiences that you've... I mean, there's probably a lot. But if you're thinking about it in the context of creativity and strategy and and how we can use this in a context, what is something that stands out, a story that you might share? You know, in the undercurrent of all of what you talk about, the summation of anything that we could come up to, to me, is curiosity. If you lose the power of curiosity then it doesn't matter what you're going to do because all you're doing is wrapping ideas around the media. The curiosity means you could come up with something that's never you've never thought was going to be capable. But if you allow that curiosity to also be implemented in a way that says, hey, if this becomes contagious, then we're going to put the traditional media channels behind it, we're going to try and amplify it. 
But if you don't start with curiosity, you don't invent. You know, I have this, have this feeling that if we just sit in a room and just listen to rock and roll all day, we never invent punk. And curiosity means that you can go outside the bounds. You know, I, as a kid, I used to hate colouring books that had lines in them. You know, you have to colour inside yeah, the lines. Yeah, my mum hates them too, yeah. I mean, I'd much rather go outside the lines, you know. I think they're, they're horrible because they're also not allowing the, the, the mind to be super curious and to wander. And that's where I think the expression becomes really important. And by the way, those expression engines today are, are amplified in some of these social platforms where people are using them and saying, that's my boundary, so how can I be super curious and create something that feels like a dialogue, mm. a designalogue inside mm. those boundaries? And we're seeing some really interesting creative coming out of it. But, yeah, for me, I think, you know, my experience, my career, my time has all been based upon curiosity. I'm super curious. Mm. And I think curiosity is so incredibly important because I think this is a really important concept in our education and how we roll out education because, you know, I've got two children, a 10-year-old and a 4-year-old, and the curiosity is rife. But then you see, I see, you know, in other friends, children, my niece and nephew, as they get into high school age, there seems to be a bit of squashing of curiosity. How do we turn that around? Well, two things that I would react to. One, we have to educate kids on... To, the education system itself, I fundamentally believe, has to change because we're educating kids on jobs that won't exist in the future. So let's start with that as a baseline. The one thing that the machine cannot do, it can tell you what to do, it can't tell you how to do it. And the how is curiosity, and that's creativity. So the creative currency is going to be far more valued than things that can be mechanic in my humble opinion. Mm. The flip side of that, it's a whole other debate about education system. The flip side of that is the systems that are built today to educate kids are also built in a social construct to make them feel self-conscious. So if you think about kids between, you know, kids under the age of five, they have a create, creative IQ of a genius, 98% of them under the age of five. By the time they become young adults, they're, you know, it's down to like 2%. So part of it's just social construct. And we like that because we like structure. Mm. And structure is something that allows us to conform to society. You know, so I, I spend a lot of time talking to people of what I call special needs or superpowers. They're not special needs, they're superpowers. They're just the people that we would look at them and say, hey, this person probably couldn't get a job in society in the normal channels, but they have an incredible superpower that we haven't unearthed. So maybe that power could be directed in this direction. So, you know, I feel like I'm a bit of a misfit toy half the times anyway, so I, I'm curious around that. <laughs> but getting back to that, changing the structure of how we don't suppress but express the currency of curiosity, and we might do it super young, but, you know, the way that systems are built today, they're not designed to express. No. And I get it. I mean, my he's not quite four, but... And he's going through the why stage. It's exhausting. Curiosity is exhausting because <laughs> there's only so many different iterations of answers I can come up with. But, but isn't that a great thing because it makes yeah. you then a multidimensional? Instead of saying, you know, the, the why allows you to expand your, not just your vocab but also the way you could help problem solve so you can see how that comes. I mean, I was reading somewhere that a kid, I think at their age of around two to four or something, they have this... Um, you know, it's very similar to people that are on acid or something. Like they have, this, they have these minds that hallucinate and they have these visions and ideas and it's like follow the bouncing ball. Mm. And I, I think it's really interesting because it makes us sharper humans, I think, than just the standard yes, no, stop it. You know, there's... Um, and I, you know, I, I really have no data point to be able to express that other than just my own curiosity. Mm. 
Yeah. Well, and it, it certainly helps me reframe things. But so then when you're working with businesses, is, is there a way that you go through this process to encourage curiosity? Yeah, there is. One, you have to sort of make sure that in these structured environments of which we've created ourselves, is that you, you have to open them up. So where is the number one place people are told to problem solve in your experience, Amelia? At work? Yeah. Whereabouts? What room in work? Oh, in the boardroom. Yeah. So if you ask people, if we were to survey people here at Pulse, if you ask these 500,000 people here where all their great ideas come from, I bet you not one person's going to say a boardroom. No, jogging for me. Right. And you know why that's the case? Because uh, I let go of other thoughts. I'm yeah. not sure. Well, firstly, you're not forced into it. Secondly, you're doing a routine, so your, your mind can wander. So you can problem solve. And you also need, you need isolation to, be, to create chaos. But forcing people into a system like a boardroom is not the best thing to do. But when you are forced into a boardroom, you just need to come up with new mechanics to try and unearth great ideas. Part of that is to make sure that young voices or voices that are... Firstly, if you're talking about audiences, make sure the audience you're talking about are in the room and contributing. But contributing to curiosity is the most important thing. I can't tell you how many countless meetings I've been to in my career where the loudest voice in the room is the thing you build and people walk out of the room thinking that is the dumbest hour I've ever spent and they listen to nobody. So you have to architect a way for people to express themselves in a, fa- a place that feels safe, fun, curious and actually directional. Mm. Meaning once you've done it, how are you actually going to put it in a place where you can get these ideas out and splinter it? And so you can allocate those ideas to people that can just do. Mm. You can allocate dumb ideas to the never speak about them again. Mm. And those ideas that are the variables, which is it takes a lot of effort but could have a long impact, how do you actually unpack that and put in a way in a system that says, yeah, that's worth exploring? So you can really make those times super efficient. This is not airy-fairy. You can structure creativity in a way that feels like it's directed. Yeah, and... Because does that seem ironic to you? I mean, I think it makes complete sense. But there is also a part of me that goes, you can structure creativity in a way that makes it really effective. And I think that's where maybe the discord comes in because how do you do that? Like, you know, how do you feel creative in a structured way? But you're saying it's bigger than that. But creative design, creative thinking is very different than saying I'm an artist. Mm. And an artist actually comes up with an idea. They have to find the market for the idea. Once they've created the idea, they birth the idea and then they go through post-nail depression for most artists that I know because they are the power of one of doing all of that. And then they have to pick themselves up and do it all over again. That's artistry. When you talk about creativity, creativity is different. Creativity starts with the curiosity of a question, a problem solve. We're just mixing those, you're mixing those paradigms together. So when it comes to creativity, creativity is not airy-fairy and ephemeral. It's structured. And it's structured in the bounds of what that, how that creativity can be expressed. And by the way, he comes up with incredible problem solving. Mm. So is there any example that stands out to you as a really successful way that that was done? There are thousands of examples I could cite, but I'll give you one that, you know, when somebody says to me, what's the best piece of branded content you've ever seen, Shingy? I'll say the Lego movie. Why? Because I just spent $20 having Lego show me their goddamn product for two hours. <laughs> Pretty genius. Or what's the best example of data in creativity you've seen, Shingy? British Airways had a billboard that has this kid was sort of wandering on this billboard. They, they get up from the billboard live and start to point to the corner of the billboard and there's a plane going overhead and it tells you where the plane is coming from. And so firstly it creates a dynamic of live and it shows the data of where that plane's coming from. So it really showcases creativity and data in real time. Mm. I thought that was pretty genius. Mm. 
simple ideas of saying Coca-Cola don't want their bottles to end up in the middle of the ocean, do something different with the top design. So that thing that could be trash is now turning up in people's play boxes, you know, because it's now turned into a water pistol and has the Coke bottle that I just drank. I mean, super, super cool ideas, but it starts with the problem. What's the problem we're trying to do? We're trying to have people have attention around consuming products better. So Coke decided, don't let them throw it away. Conscious packaging, awesome. I don't know. Mm. There's a, a billboard, I think it's here in Melbourne, uh, for Dracula, the new Netflix, and they've actually 3D, it's um, bits of wood that come out and it's sort of a shape, but it's got a light on it and at night it's actually Dracula, the shadow across. It's pretty cool. Sounds amazing. Mm. Yeah, that's experiential, isn't it? Yeah, mm. yeah, really good. And billboard, which people don't talk about anymore. No, Bill, no. Billboard's pretty amazing. Yeah, yeah. Mm. All right. Well, thank you so much, David. Oh, you're absolutely Welcome. In conclusion, could yes. you share oh, with me? Yes. yes. David's be the drop tip. So we're not uh, – what is a be the drop tip? What are you so looking for? So your be the drop tip is your top tip for how to communicate in a way to motivate and inspire. So my drop tip simply would be in an organisation you have a structure where there are a percentage of the organisation think that management walk on water. There's a percentage of the organisation that think that they can't wait to get out of there. And the organisation structure itself is designed to motivate the rest of the organisation, which is the bulk, to go one way or the other. So put systems in place that allow people to express creatively, curiously, understanding the tribe of humans so it's culturally relevant and reflect that cultural relevancy in the creativity that's produced. Brilliant. Fantastic. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Thanks for joining me for another episode of Be The Drop. Don't forget to subscribe in order to ensure you never miss out on one of our weekly episodes. Be The Drop is produced by Narrative Marketing, where we believe that stories connect individuals and that powerful storytelling can positively impact the world. To unleash your storytelling superpower, visit narrativemarketing.com.au or check out our social links in the show notes. To contact me directly with any specific comments you have, you can email me via amelia at narrativemarketing.com.au. And don't forget that whilst a task or challenge may seem overwhelming, a waterfall begins with one drop and look what comes from that.